Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Hi, everybody, and welcome to mikvah.org's weekly classes. I'd like to invite you all to either join our broadcast or follow us on social media so you're always in the know on our latest classes and events. I'm going to ask everyone to please keep their videos shut. It's not a webinar platform, but um, we all are just going to pay attention to the speakers. Thank you so much. So tonight, we're going to be talking about how can I set my child up for success? We are so fortunate to have two dedicated speakers. The first we're going to call up is Rabbi Mendel Lipsker, Shliach of the Rebbe in Sherman Oaks, California, who will guide us on many of the details that we as parents should know when beginning this next stage of our lives with our children. Okay, go ahead, Rabbi Lipsker. Hi, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, the Zdacha um, Pratis, it's Pesavav Sivan, Kaima Sira Vashlamusa, it's a full moon. And uh, it's a good thing. So uh, everything should be in the fullest way the fullest way possible. The title is How to Set Up Our Children for Success. It doesn't necessarily say about Shaduchim, it just says in general. One second, let me just adjust. Okay, sorry about that. The, um, <clears throat> when it comes to these Topics, shaduchim, dating, etc. We have to remember something, which is Mustama Klal Gadol Batayra, that to be a living example, that's a basic ingredient in, in life. And Chenuch Bechlau, children model after their parents, children model after us. To set up our children for success, we're dealing with um, the stage of Shaduchim, trying to model for them, prepare them for marriage throughout all the years, especially in the time of Shaduchim. So is a is a big cloud, which means that they are going to know what they know, in many cases, from us, parents. And what they don't know from us, they'll be modeling anyway, even though they don't know it. So that's something in general important to remember. The way we are with our spouses, and I'm, I'm imagining here the crowd, I don't know who the crowd is, I'm imagining that our fathers, mothers, 
maybe siblings, maybe younger people, older people, maybe Bachram and young ladies. Uh, but it's true. It's true that as parents, we model for our children a healthy family, a healthy home, a home of respect, a home of sensitivity, a home of shalom bias, a home of calmness, serenity is, is uh, that's what our children would want as well. On the other hand, we all have our struggles and it's important to have communication with our children that, you know, not everybody's perfect. We may not be perfect. Nobody's perfect, but they can strive to learn things that they can't learn from us. They can learn from others. You know, you can have discussions that are older. Who in our family, extended family of friends, do you think is a model couple? What type of home would you want to have? Uh, who do you think is a good example for shalom bias, for values, for Yiddishkeit, Chassidishkeit, Yiddishamayim, Pero Mitzvahs? These are, in general, proper discussions to have, you know, most kids say, I don't want to marry someone like my father, says the, the, the young ladies. And the guys say, I'm not marrying someone like my mother. And of course, the joke goes in the end, something happens to that extent, to that extent anyway. But nevertheless, to, to have it, uh, you know, to have it on the table. Hopefully, the home is healthy, gesund, and level of chesidishkeit, yiddishkeit. And some children want less than us, and some children want more than us. And it's a great thing to have... Uh, open discussion about it and um, to be aware that this is a, a tremendous influence on our children. So when it comes to Shaduchim in the title setting up our children for success, they're not young children, they're older, young men and young women. So it's interesting to, to know, people need to know, you know, it's a system, we have a system, Shadchem, this, there's reasons for it. Rabbi Sternberg will address more about that later. But there's also in Yanim al there is Simonim and Shulchan Aruch about looking for a Shidduch. Evan Hazar, in the beginning, the first couple of Simonim talks about what type of family is good to marry, what are the priorities, uh, you know, there's all different levels of things to look into. Families, what type of values? There's a yonim of it's not just uh, you know what's good uh, what's good for us. And it's a good thing to learn about it. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong to knowing. There's fun about this to know. Young people, men and women, could know that there's there's priorities. There's things that Peter uh, has to say. There is a, you know, Rambam them. There's things that we need to know about it. That's number one, which is good to know. We explain to them that there is not just a certain person, but there is a tremendous influence that family has on a person. Of course, the Rebbe says that we don't have to focus everything on the family. And if somebody comes from a divorced family, that means you shouldn't look into them. If it is not, if it is you do look for the proper values, but family has influence, that a person's background and a person's upbringing has a tremendous influence on who they are, what they'll be like, what type of home they will, they will be and what type and how they will raise their children. That's something to be talking about. 
in general to be talking about. It's a big struggle today because many of the next, oh, there was always the generation gap, especially today, people are, you know, uh, eh, I'm not interested. I'm not talking to him. You talk to him. Never heard parents talk to each other. On the, you know, you got to talk to your son about this. Uh, I'm not talking to your wife. You talk about it. Our daughter, you say it. You say it. This is a, this is a shtikl chesarim. You know, there have to be more open communication about things, about values. Hopefully it's getting better because there's more of an understanding. So there should be an understanding of what each one is looking for. The Chlal, the Rebbe's writings, there is Sgulis, Sgulis for Shaduchim. Well, the Hidr and Taylor Mitzvahs, learning extra tzedakah, giving extra, I'm sorry, giving extra tzedakah, simcha, betachen, checking tefillin, uh, there are things, there are things that are schoolers, and it's good to know, to know. Bacher, the young lady, should know things when if there's uh, some difficulty or, the de or there's delay, we do schoolers. There's another thing I wanted to mention, Alpitaira, you know, the Rambam says, the Gemara says that the proper way, we don't do it today for other reasons, but the proper the, the proper way, first a person should get a job, then a person should build a home, and then a person should find a wife. Today, we first we find a wife, and then we find a job, and then we find a home. Sometimes we find a home, and then we find a job. So the Seder, there's reasons for that. But we can't take away the Seder of Torah is giving us a message, a message of responsibility. Marriage is a responsible institution, maturity and responsibility. And it's something that we need to focus on strongly, to make sure our sons and daughters understand thus it's in the generation of, of what you call it today generation x post generation x i don't know the whole concept of responsibility is is lacking we give up very quickly anything that doesn't go right you throw it out if i don't feel good about it I don't, i'm not interested and the claw responsibility and laziness and getting married is not just you know i'm living my life and now I, I'm a mitzvah, I put on tefillin, uh, this and that, I learn more, and now I have a job, and now I have a wife. There's something else to be added into my life, or now I have this, and now I'm having a husband, I'm going to have children. Marriage, the responsibility of the institution of marriage, making room for another person in your life, Being this is a whole new level of responsibility, like this, you're, you're yourself, you live life how you want, all your way, you make your own schedule, your own decisions, whatever you want, your own commitments. And marriage is a whole new level of a higher institution, a family, or a whole making space for someone else to enter the center of your life with the Ebishter above us all. And, and uh, you know, this is, this is a big thing. People need to be aware that this is something part of preparation of all the years in yeshiva or education pre-marriage is, is, is to come to that level of, of ownership of self to be full responsible upon yourself controlling your ego our and 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 any all our selfishness to, to tame it to and to be able to move in in a healthy way into this institution called marriage and it's not just uh, something which is another thing added to my resume that i'm also going to be married now it, it, it's a it's a problem that exists in in, in these days and what I'm all, community support just happened automatically. Today, we shouldn't take anything for granted, and these things have to be emphasized. So this is something which is, it's, it's true alpitaida, it's true alpimanshal kite, and, and there's nothing wrong to 
to, 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 to have discussions about this and check it out and examine. Are you ready for marriage? Are you ready to take on this responsibility? Not, not in a difficult way, in a heavy way. It's just, it's just, just the way it is. Other things, which um, again, this is, we're addressing parents here. When we're talking about Hatzas, whatever has a vert that some people translate the wrong way, if you don't partially translate the words properly in English, you see it a few times, that we shouldn't bother our sons and daughters with ideas until, until when? Until the last second, here I have someone for you and it's time to go out. That's not what the Rebbe said. The Rebbe said you shouldn't bother the bacher or the young lady unless it's a serious hatzah. If someone suggests an idea, you say, oh, there's an idea out there. Uh, what do you think about this idea? If, the, if you didn't do any minimum research and the idea doesn't even make sense on a basic level, in general, we don't bring it up to them because it causes stress. Oh, did it work out? They said, no, not interested. If, if, if you don't know at all, if anybody's interested, and bringing it up it can just cause negative feelings and extra stress that's not necessary, that's not needed. And the Rebbe said it's a serious hatzah, I mean something that you would strongly consider, and at least you have a knowledge from the shatran from someone from the other side that they're not uh, that they're that they're taking interest in it. That's called a serious thing. And then you bring it up to them, see what they what they think about it, because today's day and age, even more so, the young men and women do want to be more involved in uh, some of the research department as well. And uh, that's not an extra stress if it's a serious, uh, if it's a serious hatzah. Sometimes they rely completely on us parents and friends or whoever's making the suggestion. And if they're not feeling secure enough, they want to ask their own questions. One of the issues that come up with Shaduchim, which us parents should make ourselves aware of it, is the halachas of the chilos and Lashon Hara. When it comes to yichos, I mean, Nevada things, problems, today everybody wants to find out about problems. Is there any mental problems, any emotional problems, any bias problems, any medical, any internet, any technology, this and that? We're putting people up in, under a tremendous amount of pressure. And people have to know how to say things in a respectful way and not to hurt anybody's feelings in the most sensitive way. We have to be very careful. Rumors are. Terrible. The Chilos and is terrible. What's going on today with because of the world of texting and WhatsApp and everything? Somebody read and heard and thought. I thought I said I heard, and that's how rumors are going around. People are, people's lives are under tremendous stress and pain and suffering, and 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 stuck in many ways because people make up things, spread rumors, and talk when it's not necessary, and this is not good. This is not good for anybody, and we should definitely put a strong emphasis on it. Even if you need to talk something, first of all, find out, verify, verify, don't assume, and say things in a very respectful way. There are halachas about this. There's, uh, you know, this is everyone can ask their own rav uh, what is and what's not. And the same thing when it comes to revealing to the shadchan before the third date, some people say any type of illness or, or weakness or, or immune system or anything else that the person struggles with, what do you have to disclose before? What do you have to disclose during the second or third date or, or later when things start getting a little more serious and what's not necessarily needs to be disclosed because everybody has chesreinus and everybody has an allergy and this one has this and this one has that. And it's not, it's, it's not and which things are not a big deal and this should be, don't take things into your own hands because 
after the fact, there's so much Hartzvetik and so much Kapeda and so much and so much um, unspoken pain of, of regret and anger and upsetness, and it takes years to be able to, to, to forgive and to come to terms with things. Why didn't anyone say? Why didn't I know? Why didn't you say? Why didn't you say? So it has to be balanced and it has to be with proper advice. The Rebbe writes constantly something called Mashichas Halev, and everyone asks, what's Mashichas Halev? It has to be some emotional attraction. Emotional attraction. Meshikos Halev doesn't necessarily mean physical attraction. Obviously, it shouldn't be physical turnoff, but it means emotional attraction. But besides emotional attraction, the Rebbe talks a lot about compatibility. Compatibility is very important. Shared value systems, shared goals, uh, compatible levels of Yerushamayim, you know, Midas Tavis, and things like that. Of course, if there's no Mashikas Halev, you've got a problem. There has to be Mashikas Halev. But that's not the main thing that's secondary to what's very important as compatibility. And as parents, we struggle with this much because every parent wants to also find the Shidduch that's good for or biased, good for me, good for the image, good for the family, good, you know, the, 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 you know compatibility and all Chitzanistic things versus many times what is good for my son, what is good for my daughter, what is what they need. And when there's more open communication and we can be honest, then dating won't be wasted. There's a tremendous amount today of wasted dating. Time, 10, four dates, five dates, six dates, eight dates. You know, when you ask the bachar, you ask the daughter, what's going on? They say, well, my parents keep setting me up with people that are completely not for me, not what I need. What's lacking? There's a lacking of honesty. Well, the young people don't want to be honest with their parents because they're afraid of, of being judged. And the, and, and the parents don't, uh, don't want to look at certain things. Well, that has to be solved because the compatibility is very important. Now, the other thing is, what's taka values? Now, there's a, a Yiddish joke that says, Allah, villain, fear, mems. There's four mems. Midas, Mishpacha, Mare, mamain, character, family, looks, and money. You know, they're all four things. They're great mems. The question is, which one is first? What's on your top priority list? Of course, the Rebbe writes, Yiddish, Shemayim, Midas, Tavis. That's what you have to look at. There's a verse from the Chibina of the, as someone in the Shalayim once asked him about a certain woman and a family, a Shidduch. He said, listen, for a Shidduch, you have to look for three things in a girl. Three things. Midas, Tavis. Midas, Tavis. And Midas, Tavis. And all the rest will work itself out if there's those three. <laughs> Basically, the Rebbe emphasizes a lot about that. Because that's how a home is built. That's how you have a home of Torah, a home of mitzvahs, a home of daily Torah study, as the Rebbe writes. But there has to also be understanding in those things. Many people, family is very important. Midas is more important. Some people have money importance and some people have mother importance, but we do have to be open with our children because the way we grow up today with all the technology and it's getting harder and harder to deal with, that there's all sorts of imaginations that the women have, young ladies and Bachrim, because of exposure to all worldly things. And they're embarrassed to tell it to the shadchan or to the parents, but they know inside of them, angered for some weird reason that I need to have a gorgeous this, and I need to have a beauty this, and I need to have money this, and I need to have a certain type of lifestyle. 
We have to have open discussions. People, are from the, no matter how mature they are, from the age of 17 to 25, they can be very bright and very mature, but there is not so much life experience. And us as parents have to share the experience. What you think is going to be exciting right now, 10 years down the line, may not be so exciting anymore. And you're going to lack depth, or you're going to lack this and that. What you need to talk to each other about in the dating, or choosing which date to go on, or which family to do a shidduch with, you have to know that even though the, the young macher and the young lady tell you, you know, I'm this and I need to marry this and that and the other, or in both extremes, sometimes they have to have also a honesty check. Hopefully they can have a mashpia, a coach, a parent, to really check in with them. And this requires a skill because for someone to be honest and open, you need to have a skill called empathy. Empathy is a real skill of understanding each other. And in a world, a fast-paced world where there's no time to calm and think and talk and relate, everything is ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. It's a big challenge that many people have, and therefore there's no open communication. And as parents, I should say, we also have a responsibility that if we don't have that skill to be open and empathetic with our sons and daughters, we should arrange that there should be someone, a good friend, a professional, a rav, someone that can really relate to them in an understanding way so they can be more open with them so they can be more understanding of what they're looking for and also during dating whatever help is needed shall bias later adjustment whatever it is whatever writes emphasis on two things when looking for a shidduch chitzainius like I said money is also something looks is also something but it's chitzainius. And chitzainius, legabe pnimius, should not be focused on. Because if that becomes what it is, then depth is gone, and depth is lost, and marriage cannot survive on shallowness. Especially as chassidim, chassidus chabad, chassidus bechlal teaches us. It's all about pnimius. Chassidus is pnimius atayr. teaches us to look at the pnimius of the yid, pnimius of the eibishter. So we should be the biggest professionals in this, we should have the most clarity on this stuff of Pneumius versus Chitzenius. Like there, we live in a world where Chitzenius is very powerful. But that has to come to the discussion. And nobody is perfect. Everyone wants to marry Mr. Perfect. Nobody's perfect. Ich perfect. And Erdafner sein perfect. Erdafner perfect. And Ziedafner sein perfect. It's hard. And therefore, you have to. And you're never going to know the person until. I'm, I'm just quoting things in general from the Rebbe's answers. Internal Joy is a very good resource book to learn all about Shaduchim. I think Rabbi Dubov in England gave out a safer also called, uh, I think it's called Mazel Taiv. This is Rabbi Nissen Dubov from England. It's online, so it's in English. You can buy it. And it has a collection of all the Rebbe's Hegas, the Rabbi Shaduchim in the book about Shaduchim in and, uh, and in the end, we need a lot of Bitochen anyway, says the Rabbi. You need, a bit, you need a lot of Bitochen. You need to rely on Hashem. The Abish there will. So that's so fitting. As long as we do the right thing, we can't find out everything about the person until we live with them for a few years. We're anyway not really going to get to know that. But we do what we can do, and the Ebrister should give the bracha for the rest. When it comes to meeting, dating, that someone wrote to the Rebbe that he's going out with a woman, and the Rebbe crossed out the words going out and wrote to meet, lipagish to meet. To go out is like we're going out, we don't go out. We meet. To meet someone, that's have a meeting. That's how it says in Yiddish. That's proper. 
So we have to know that Chabad we need to keep to certain standards of ours in this area. Meetings have to have level of modesty. We should talk about it, explain the value. The Rebbe has a very strong statement about crossing boundaries when you're not allowed to can bring a lot of tzadis later. And today, it's a fact that the shensta and the besta and the women and the bachrim struggle with this because when the boundaries aren't clear in your head what's supposed to be, because it's not discussed, boundaries start being crossed spontaneously without wanting to, people lose control, and it doesn't end up in good places. A lot of guilt and problems and v'chulu, 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 from the smallest boundaries until the most difficult boundaries. And therefore, things have to be done in a very modest way, as the Rebbe writes. Number one, you have to be aware of the laws of Yichud. Young men and women are allowed to learn the laws of Yichud. Can be alone in a room, meeting in someone's apartment, by the parents, whatever the meeting is. Alone is a problem in a locked place. Even driving in a car at night could be an issue. You have to know the laws of Yichud. There's busy streets, not busy streets, how late at night. These are things that's not learning. <laughs> Yichud applies here. But Agav, once a person gets engaged, the laws of Yichud is Allah has come of a For some reason, some people think, I've heard this over and over, engaged already, so big deal. No, not big deal. Levi Gaspa is even a bigger deal now once you're engaged. But even during dating, there's an issue. I once had a Rosh Hashiva, someone went out, said, how did you go? You don't drive. He said, oh, I took a taxi. He said, and you sat together with her in the back seat? Maybe there's a Shaila of, of, of Kirva, of Yichud. Did you even ask a Shaila to a Rav? Be aware, you're not to get clarity, there's nothing wrong. That's in general about the meeting. During, during um, dating, what they call, or meetings, for some reason today, people assume that because of exposure and we know everything and you can Google everything and you can look it up and everybody talks to everyone and the Bachar WhatsApp groups are this the zitzers, I know the men more, in the kailal or in the yeshiva, everybody talks to everybody about who they date and who they don't date and about this one, about that one. It's one big gossip in Gresa Malada Malke, which I think is very disruptive and very not healthy, but this is what it is. And, 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 and it should be checked. It should be checked. It's love dafka, the, the, it's love dafka, the right thing, that everybody should know everything about everybody. It's, uh, it's not healthy because then you hear a half a word and this person is not going to go out with that person because this one said something about that. I've seen this with dozens and dozens and dozens of cases. Why isn't this shit of good? No, you heard something of something and then when you go gribbles, it was just some type of, there was too much openness or discussion on the WhatsApp groups. You know, there's, there's things about let people go and figure it out themselves. Some people say it's okay to see a picture before. Some people say you lose the spontaneity. Why don't you just meet and then see for yourself? Why judge by a picture? So these are some things as well. Going to uh, on a date. So back to my point. I'm sorry. I started. I went off a tangent a little bit. That people assume that oh they they know all about dating. Everybody they talk to their friends. They know exactly what to do. Well, most people don't. And if the shadchan is not coaching and parents are not coaching or finding someone that they can talk to and give them the experience, there's a lot of wasting time. Either people jump, as Rabbi Stimmel will talk more about, jump too quickly, or people take it too slowly. And therefore, you have to know that Rabbi's guidelines in general is to talk about values. Rabbi talks about standard of living. 
you're going to go to Kailal, you know, you have to compromise a certain standard of living, certain type of lifestyles, talk details, the Rebbe says, talk details about levels of Yerushalayim and values and Hidur Mitzvah and Hagah Hasidus. You should get to know each other in that area as well as much as possible. And of course, um, it's a meeting. It's a meeting. Even dating is like dating. It's a meeting. Yes, we don't date for fun. We don't meet for fun. It's to see marriage. But it doesn't have to be a heavy, a heavy experience with El Shen Yichud. We're going on a date. It's supposed to be relaxing. You're supposed to know if you're, you're feeling comfortable with the person, if, how the vibes are, how the energy is, how the, the, the mood. You're supposed to observe the person in the, in as much as possible. Yes, best behavior, of course, but in a, in a relaxed way. And it has to be kept relaxed. I want to just conclude that as parents, I'm talking to fathers here or mothers when we're talking about uh, this year, it's the guys are from the Bahrain side. Let's educate the Bahrain. When you're on dates, get out of your Bahrain head and be caring and considerate. In plain English, do things to be pleasant and attractive. I don't mean physically attractive in mannerism and behavior. Open the car door. When you walk, a woman is usually walking much slower than you. Don't step ahead. It's common sense, but Bachram just don't pay attention to it because that's not our world. But you do have to be focused on being elegant, caring, pay attention. Is it the seating comfortable? Is the air condition okay? Is it too strong? Is it too weak? Pay attention to things which you may not pay attention to. And in general, and my opinion is that parents and Shadchan should have conversations between every day to pick up things, what's okay, what's not okay, what can we get the messages back and forth as, as, uh, as it should be. Um, okay, the time is short. This last point possibly can have more uh, attention, but uh, this is basically it and we should all have brachas. If anyone has any questions, you can type it in the chat. We'll get back to some questions and answers after Rabbi Sternberg concludes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rabbi Lipsker. Um, we will now continue with Rabbi Shlomo Sternberg, Mashpia, and Karnaitz to present on different um, points and tips that parents should know and how to guide our children. I need to bring Rabbi Sternberg here. Sorry. And take it away, Rabbi Sternberg. We will be addressing all, we just want to make one point. If everyone could put their questions in the chat box for Rabbi Lipsker and Rabbi Sternberg, we will be addressing all the questions at the end of the session. Hey, good evening. So what I would like to share with you is, I understand I'm talking to parents. There might be some bathroom, might be some girls that are watching as well. So this is for everyone. There's no secrets. This is what I usually um, coach Bachram or the girls. This is the outline of the Shaduchim process. And to really understand why we do it this way and what are the steps we should be taking, it's important that we as parents and that the Bachram and the girls understand what is really the goal behind using this specific um, shaduchim process the way we have it by us, by Anash. Now we have it in a very specific way. We are not on the extreme of just, it's a shkacha practice and if it came up and the parents think it's a good idea, 
Now let's go ahead. From the other side, obviously, most of it is Ashkacha Pratis, not most of it, it's all Ashkacha Pratis. Yet, the Rebbe teaches us that there should be a system that this should make sense, that we should feel it. And if we understand the goal of using the system, we can understand the logic behind the steps that we should be taking and taking them in the right order. So I would say the goal of the Shidduch system is to enter brain first, yet to come to a decision with a full heart. Okay, we don't wanna enter with our heart first or with our body first. We want to start with our brain. A Yiddish house is built, we're talking within the Nefesh Adam, like the Esospheris, it starts with Chabad, and then it goes to Chagas, and then it goes to Nehi. And in building a healthy relationship that will be a Binyan Aviyad, it has to be based on mutual respect. It means we understand each other, we get each other, we agree with each other, we're compatible with each other as people. It makes sense that we're going to get along and do things together for many years to come. Then we can allow ourselves to invest ourselves emotionally and have an emotional bond be formed in this relationship. And then that will lead to physical appreciation for each other. When a house is built, when a relationship is built on this order, brain first and then the heart and then the body, this is something that lasts. This is something that's impossible to compete with or very hard to compete with, because this is an internal relationship. And it gets stronger and stronger as the time goes by because we connect more in nefesh. And therefore, even the physical relationship will last the test of time. However, the path that the secular world takes is starting from body. We date someone that we meet on the street or meet, met somewhere, and we were attracted to it. That's not nefesh. Attraction is not midas. It's definitely not seichel. That is netzach That's technical. That's external. When that is what pulls us into this relationship, and then we're hoping that this will go deeper and this will turn into an emotional relationship, and we're hoping that this will ultimately also make sense to us, the issue is that we have no way of knowing if what we're feeling and what we're understanding is reliable. Because once a person is in a process that's triggered by external um, physical appreciation or attraction for each other, we don't know if what we're feeling is emotions or it's just the excitement of the external attraction. We don't know if it really makes sense to us or once we're so into it, our brains shut down and justify everything and suddenly it's exactly what I was looking for and it's amazing and this is gonna last forever. There's no way to know if it's going to last forever because we never objectively went through this. We never intellectually visited this. We never did our research before. And therefore, like everything else physical, the physical attraction of that is the aside. If that is the foundation, everything physical slowly deteriorates. And there's no way that that excitement is going to stay when that is the foundation. And then when that leaves, suddenly everything else is shaky and the emotions are leaving, things don't make sense anymore. I don't understand how I ever thought this was good for me. And this is what leads to the tragic statistics that we have in the secular world, where the percentage of divorce is a 40 to 50%. Now this is in Hebrew, but 
This is interesting. In Israel, it's 26%. Okay, this is mixed between the secular and, and, and prune community in Eretz Yisrael. Looking at the extreme, Russia is the worst, which is a very secular place. Italy is the best in the Geisha world, which is more of a religious place. But if we're going to look in the Pruma community, so it was always known for being less than 1%, but the more the Pruma community is exposed and is affected by Hanafa Sarelam, by the secular views, the rate of divorce is going up drastically. So it went up by 400%. We're talking here in Beitar Elite, which is a Haredi city, where it went up 400% to where it was before this exposure, whatever you're going to blame it on. So the fact is that the secular way of building a relationship based on what pulled my eye, um, what pulled my body, that is something that leads in, well, you're getting 50 or 65% of a divorce rate. And keeping to our way, our Messiah, this is the success of a marriage. When it's built, Chabad, Chagas, Nahi, this gets stronger and we appreciate each other more as time goes on. So this is the goal, it's important. We understand this, it's important. Our children understand this, why we're going through a shatchan and why we're doing, making so many phone calls before and being so picking, finally meeting and then gradually warming up and being very formal by the beginning. All of this is to make sure that we go in head first, mind first, and that we come to a mature decision and then we could make this decision with a full heart. So before we start the process, it's important that we sit down with our children or help them or ask them to prepare a clear list of what they are looking for. And now, like Rabbi Lipsker was saying, there are those things that are more important and that we can compromise on. And there are those things that are less important and we should be ready to compromise on or ready to accept the fact that there is no shlemus, there's no one perfect. So in the things that we cannot compromise on is number one, our goal in life. So I tell, I tell the girls, I tell the boys, imagine you're driving in your car and then there's a roadblock. And they say that half of the cars will not be able to go over the bridge. Everyone will have to look, everyone that's on the right lane, go out of your car and look for a car in the left lane, join them and go over the bridge with them. So you're going to have to choose a car to travel with. So what is the most important thing in choosing which car I'm going to travel with? Who am I going to join to go to the other side of the bridge? So I could choose this based on the color of the car, the comfort of the seats, the music that they want to play, the air conditioning, or is the most important question, where are you heading? Okay, it could be the best car, most comfortable car, or be a pleasure to ride with them but we're not going to the same place. It's the wrong car. I need to know what's my, what's my mission statement in life. Where do I want to see myself in 10 years and 20 years? What do I want my family to look like? Okay, this is my mission statement of how I want to build my family. And on that, on the core of my goal, I have to be joining, I have to be in the same, I have to be in a car with a person that has the same destination or at least the same direction in general. On the general direction, we can compromise on. First of all, it's not right to compromise, the Ruchnius, and also we're not going to get along. 
if I'm going to try to pull the steering wheel in one direction, and he's going to try to pull the steering wheel in the other direction, Shalom Bias is going to be a catastrophe. Second of all, when we talk about personality, people usually know what types of people they have a hard time living with, whether from roommates or classmates or, or people that they worked with in the past. Some people just have an allergy being near people that are too judgmental. Some people have an allergy being near people that are not neat, whatever it is, things that just drive them crazy, okay? Whether it's right or wrong, there's no right and wrong, this personality. And every personality has the personality they're more comfortable with and those that they just clash with. It brings out the worst in them or it intimidates them and it shuts them down. They're just always quiet near people that are very loud or they get nervous when they're near people that are very excited and very bubbly. Everyone has their sensitivities. There are those things that we know don't work for us. This is something that's a lot, no, this is not, it's not something I can accept, something, not something I could live with. This is on the more important things. And then here's what I want. Yeah, I could compromise, or I don't like the word compromise. Really, I could accept the imperfection. And that is exactly what level so we do have the same goal, but do we have exactly the same level in the details? Or it's important to me that this person is smart. How smart, okay? Or anything else. If it's not extreme yes or no, the level of something, we could accept the imperfection. Talents. Oh, I would want him to be, have this talent and the other talent. This is something I can compromise on. External appearance, it has to work. I have to be comfortable with it. But again, this is tuffle. This is tuffle. And that's not from the, from the top things that we cannot compromise. Now, our children need help deciding what is if you're, what is tuffle, where do they want to see themselves in 10 years? Some people never thought in that direction. They need to have this discussion with someone. Who do they consult? Now, if they have the relationship with their parents, that they can have this discussion with them, that's great. And if not, they need someone responsible that they can talk to, not with everyone, which means friends are not the ones that could give them the right advice. The friends don't have more experience than their own. So because something went well for them means you have to have someone, you have to have an out-of-towner. Telling you you have to marry out Don't you dare marry it. Everyone has their own experience, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And that's all they can share. And that's just confusing and, and leads people down the wrong path. It needs to be an adult. It needs to be someone with experience. And talking to Mashpia, I just, just want to say that um, today, everyone chooses a Mashpia. Their Mashpia could be two years older than them, one year older than them, but, and even more than that, but never experienced marrying off a child or was never involved with many Shaduchim to have the wider picture of what's going on. And for them to share their personal experience, their personal opinions about certain things, especially, we're not talking in Shemayim or things like that, but in personality, are you feeling it? Are you not feeling it? Is it good enough for you? Is it not good enough for you? It's important that uh, they're getting advice from people that have more experience than just their own Shalom bias or their, their own Shidduch or their own even you know, one or two children that went that went through this. Now, names come up, and we're looking for a name that fits what we're looking for. 
Now we have to start making phone calls. And we get a resume and a whole list of phone calls, a whole list of phone numbers. Now, the list is good, so it gives us a picture of who knows them and where they were. But are the people on this list really people you can trust, trust, rely on? I'm sure everything that they're telling you is true, but are they telling you the whole truth? And very seldom, uh, when you're calling someone that's a stranger or someone that's more loyal to them than to you, you're not getting perhaps the most important thing that you should be hearing. Okay, so therefore, if possible, find someone who is more committed to you than to them. So if you have a mutual friend, a mutual right, family that knows both, it's good. If they're more, lo more loyal to you than to them, this is number one. This is the best you could find. And it might not be on the list. You might have to look for more people that know them. The best is someone that knows both of them um, and that's more loyal to you. Now, if you don't have someone like that, what can we do? So whoever's listening, if you ever call me with these anonymous phone calls from a blocked uh, number, um, an anonymous phone call isn't worth the quarter. It's not worth the time. If someone's calling me, I don't even know who I'm talking to. It means they don't even trust me with their identity. And they're asking me about a bacher. They want to know if there's anything they should be concerned about. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I know the bacher. I don't know who I'm talking to. Why in the world would I share a weakness? There is something, an imperfection in this boy. Why in the world would I do that? If it's someone that's not even sharing their name. For all I know, it's the boy's mother calling me up to see what I'm going to say. So if it's someone that I don't know, I'm obviously not going to share as much as if it's someone that I know. But if it's someone that's not even saying their name, you know, that's, that's what it's going to be worth. So you're not stealing anything. You have nothing to be embarrassed of. You could call up and say your name. And the more honest and open you are, the more honest and open the person you're talking to is going to be. Now, if you really want to hear about weaknesses, if you want to hear about you know, different areas that you're not really hearing strong compliments and you want to know if that's an area of concern, you could call someone and say, we heard someone said that he's a little this or a little that, or he's not so good at that or not so good at that, and see how they react. If they say, what? Who could say such a thing? Absolutely not. That's the craziest thing to say about them. Then you know, nothing to worry about. But if they start saying, you know, I, I, if people don't know them well, then it could he could come across that way, but if you know him very well, he's really not that way. So then you know you hit the jackpot, you picked up that piece of information you were looking for. So sometimes you just need to use this trick um, to get the information that people aren't going to share with you unless they're more loyal to you than to them. So after making you know, a good amount of phone calls and getting the picture that we're looking to get, and it sounds good. We're gonna go ahead. However, our children should never go to a date feeling that my parents found that everything, everything sound good over the phone. All we have to do is just get comfortable with each other and develop a relationship. After all, we do not rely. We take this precaution because we don't want our children to meet people that there might be something that you know, that could later in life haunt them 
or we don't want them to be people and when it doesn't have a good chance of working out. So we do our inquiries before, but we don't really rely on that, okay? We want them to see it all in real life. Don't rely on what you heard. You want to see it. You heard he has Midas Tavis. Is that Midas Tavis for you? You want to see it. You want to hear real life stories. Um, and the same with anything else that's important for you to see, your children should know that it's up to them to see it in real life and not to rely on what they heard before. Now, Rabbi Lipsker brought up the issue of sharing pictures. And there's so many different opinions about this. And I'm going to share my opinion, but I don't even think I have one opinion for all situations. One thing for sure, when it's talking about a girl putting her picture on a resume for everyone that gets her name to automatically have the picture, I believe is not correct. It's both an issue for Tzniyas. Not everyone that gets the resume needs to have her picture. Number two, it's not fear. That shouldn't be there as the first thing. Again, if we want to go in head first, for some people, they don't feel comfortable sharing their picture, and this is putting them in an uncomfortable situation. And for some people that are excited to share their picture, what they have to realize that that's the first, first piece of information that the boy is seeing, okay? The more you're proud of your picture, the more you should be concerned that someone is going to want you for external reasons, and this can haunt you later in life. A picture should not be there unless it's really needed. So when you have parents that are seriously looking into this girl and they want to see a picture and they're not in town, they can't see her in shul, it's always better if you can meet in person, meet by a wedding, if you know, someone shows them the girl from far. You see a person in real life, you see so much more than in a picture. So both as far as privacy, it's not a picture that's circulating and um, you just you see the person in real life, you don't see a, picture, a, a person in a picture. Most people are not really expressed in a picture. And there's so much to be impressed about, and there's so much in their character that can be seen in real life, and a picture just doesn't show it. So again, sometimes the parents are out of town, and they're asking for this, and it's important to them. Again, everyone in their situation, this is different, okay? There's more of a, more room to say, okay, you got to share it. Sometimes the Bacher himself is asking for it. The buffer is very particular. And again, probably talking to a big range of people of your different standards. Um, this is what you have to take into consideration. If this is important to him, that's something that you know about him. And if this is something you're okay with, once the buffer is asking for it, um, that's, that's your decision what to do at that point. But again, both for the concern of Sneas, but I'm more concerned about, number one, it's not fear. It's not, for many girls, it's not giving them a chance because it doesn't really portray who they are. And if the picture is something that talks to the boy, that could be getting him locked into something and locking down his brain before he's able to go through the process brain first. So once we did decide that we are going to give this a try, very, very important that Darius Sharon has done, and I, I want to emphasize, you know, today there are cheaper options out there and, and people get all the information. I would not advise that. At least that's my opinion. Um, you don't want to know more than what you have to know. It's just a source of concern. 
uh, with those companies that share all your information with you, you now have to ask her out if you don't have to share that information with anyone that you're dating. So you just found out that you have a certain vulnerability to this and that and the other, um, and not knowing it both takes away from a lot of worries in life and the question if you need to share it. So Darya Sharon, you know what you need to know, and that is the compatibility with the boy, the girl you're going to meet, um, and not more than that. You do not need to know more than that. You perhaps don't want to know more than that. Make sure this is done before they start. Don't start the process of dating, and yeah, we're going to get in the next week, so nothing serious is going to happen until then. That's not always the case. Sometimes a relationship starts developing quicker than what we anticipated, and it's too late. Okay, sometimes we need to pay to expedite the results. If we don't have the results from before, or they want to add some testing, pay whatever it takes. Don't schlep it out, but don't start before you have the green light from Barry Yashar. So now let's get into the actual dating process. Um, I characterize this as a three-step process. Step one is what I call the bus ride. I'll explain what that means soon. Step two is the job interview. I'll explain what that means. And step three is where we allow ourselves to naturally flow towards an emotional relationship. Now, I just want to clarify that when I say three steps, it's not three meetings. Okay, it's three stages. Stage one could take one, could take two. Stage two can take one, two, three, four. Stage three can take as many as it needs to take. As long as it's progressing, continue. There is no number, okay? This that people say, it's not chassidish to meet more than five times. That's baloney, okay? There is no number. It's a process. There's a development that has to happen here. There's a relationship that has to be built. It needs to be built in a mature way. So it doesn't have to take five, and it doesn't have to be less than 10. Whatever is really needed is really needed, okay? So, you know, to look at it, there are some that are like a pressure cooker. Things move quicker. Some cook like a crock pot, and it moves a little slower. As long as it's cooking, let it cook. If we see bubbles, that means it's moving. Let it move. The fact that some people cook a little slower and even though with someone else that I met, it moved quicker, every two people react differently. Is there a reaction? Are there bubbles? Is it cooking? Let it cook. Let's see where it goes. Now, if it stalls, there are no bubbles. We're not moving anywhere. We're not getting to the goals of each of these stages. That's a reason to put it to an end. Let's not schlep it too long. Uh, there shouldn't be bigger disappointments. If it's not bubbling, it's not bubbling. But if it is, Let's see where it goes. Ignore the numbers. Let's get into the details of what these three stages are. So we said stage one is the bus ride. What I mean by a bus ride is, remember that the depth of these meetings are going to be similar to the depth of the conversations we have with someone sitting near us on the bus or on the plane Okay, the objective over here is that it should just be calm and comfortable. That's it, it should be pleasant. The goal of stage one is not to see if we're gonna get married, is not to get close with each other, it's to get over the awkwardness, to get over the, dis, 
you know, everyone's usually uncomfortable by the beginning and, and intimidated, everyone according to their personality. We want to get over all of that fear, all of that discomfort. That is number one. Okay, now instructions. So what we're going to do during this date and even after this date, don't think about the decision. Don't be thinking about, is this a person I want to marry? Is this a person I'm not going to marry? No, I don't think this. Yes, I think this is for me. Get that thought. Try to forget about why we're meeting right now because the objective is to get comfortable. And thinking about the most important decision that we have to make in our life is not going to let us relax, okay? We want to finish this date or this stage. Some people need more than one to get fully comfortable. But we want to be able to move on to stage two, comfortable with each other, okay? No intimidation, no awkwardness. We want to feel comfortable. To get to that comfort level, stay away. The only thing I want to think, even after I finish this, would I want to have another bus ride with them? Was it a pleasant ride? Do I think that next ride will be pleasant? That means I succeeded in stage one. I feel like I got to a place that I'm comfortable and it's pleasant. And even if the first one was awkward, I feel like next time I'll be comfortable. I got over that. Okay. Don't talk about things that are too personal, too serious, that again, locks people up. So if you start sharing something too personal, the other side feels like, oh, they're going a little too quick. Start asking questions that are too personal. People freeze up. So we want it to be casual. We want it to just be, you know, talking about where we learned, where we grew up, our siblings. If there's anything in the family that's personal, anything that's not regular, don't talk about it at this point. Don't ask, don't dig into personal things at this point. Really, like what you would talk about, you know, we used to be sitting on the bus, we used to talk to people before we had our phones. We were on the, on the plane, some people still talk. Interesting conversation. Share interesting things alive, interesting stories, interesting insight. Nothing personal, nothing too deep. Keep it short. My opinion, the first date should be two to two and a half hours. What I tell the boys is after two hours, ask the girl if she's tired. And if she says no, then say, so let's continue another half hour. Okay? Um, but keep it short. There's no point in schlepping it out, especially in the first date. We would rather finish with a taste for more than finish it when we ran out what to talk, you know, ran out of what to talk about. We don't want the end to be awkward. We need to finish with a good taste. I'm looking forward to the next time. Next time we'll be fully comfortable. Next time we'll be able to have a real conversation. So two, two and a half hours max. And I would advise to share, to, to prepare a little list before of interesting things to chit chat about. I want to talk about summers in camp, just some fun things that happened, places that I went, places that I traveled, the general outline of my family, my cousins, whatever it is, schools that I went to, interesting things about life. Prepare that list in your head or keep a little paper with you uh, and go for a bathroom break to check out the paper, whatever it is. Um, the point is the conversation should flow is important. So having that list when you're going to finish with one thing, so if he starts something, let him start something. If she starts something, let her start it. But being prepared with interesting things to schmooze about. Light, light conversation the first time. There's a lot more to talk about, obviously. This is the outline. Step two, 
Now, again, this is not date number two, this is step number two, and that is the job interview, which means before we allow ourselves to let go emotionally and really enter a real emotional relationship, the objective of stage two is to reach a logical decision. And it's, it's responsible, it's smart of me to let go emotionally. So I have to realize besides this person being my spouse, this is going to be a partner in educating my children, a partner in the finances, a partner in all the decisions that I'm going to be making in life. I need to really be able to get along with this person. I really need to be able to respect this person, to trust this person. We need to really be compatible. And sometimes, again, if emotions come in too early, we're blinded. That's just the way it is. So we want to make sure that it's safe to allow ourselves to be more vulnerable, to open up and allow ourselves to be emotional. So as soon as we're ready for this stage, once we did reach a stage of, of you know, a stage of comfort, which is usually the second date, but some people need more time for that. Now we could start working on seeing for ourselves everything that we heard before. So we heard this fits what I'm looking for. See for yourself if this is what you're looking for. Now, try to have this conversation in the most natural way and try to refrain from direct questions, such as asking, do you have good midas? Do you get along with your friends? Did you fight with your co-counselor? That's not the type of questions that we're gonna get honest answers from. Not that they're looking to lie, it's just everyone is gonna make things sound the best, especially when they hear what you're looking for. But again, going back to our list, those things that are most important to us, those things that we would like to have, we should have a clear list in our mind. If I'm going into stage two, this job interview, what is most important for me to know? I want to walk out of this date knowing that those things that must be there are there. Those things that must not be there are not there. And we want to prioritize the things that are really a make it or break it thing so that if we see that something is missing or there's something there that we can't live with, we want to know about this as early as possible, both not to drag this extra and also not to get into an emotional relationship when we don't know exactly when that's going to start happening. We want to make sure we know this information as early as possible because that's the most, most important. But again, all these things we want to know, level of your shemaim, your outlook on life, now, theoretical approach to education. I mean, theoretical, in this stage, we do not say, how would we bring up our children? No. What's your shittis about chinuch in general? How would you deal with a child that needs something out of the box? Right, different interesting questions in that area. Character traits we want to pick up. And again, not asking them what their character traits are, but trying to bring up stories from life, sharing how your summer was in camp and sharing how you got along with your head counselor, just as an interesting story. And that usually brings the other side to share their stories. And from real stories of life, we pick up, we pick up the natural truth of who they are. These stories project who they are. So bringing up the right stories will bring them to share the right stories. You know what you wanna hear, but if you don't ask it directly, you get, a natu you get natural information it's so much more reliable. So it's good to plan this before 
how I plan on picking up this information. Now, you're allowed to ask questions. It's just better if you have less of that and more of a naturally flowing conversation. Uh, you learn how they are with time management, if that's something that's important to you, what their capabilities are, how they plan on supporting their family. All these things, again, on the order of how important this is to you and how much it's a make it or break it uh, concept, bring it up to see for yourself what it's like. Now, before we move on to step three, I, I, just, I just want to say something I feel is important. If, as we're talking in stage two, I pick up that we do have differences in certain areas. It's not make it or break it issues, but it's things that are important to me. This is not the point where we want to start making a deal. Are you ready? Would you be ready to stop doing that? Would you be ready to stop listening to that music? Because I, if it's not something that's a make it or break it, push it off for later. Because in those areas where we're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle, we're going to have to compromise or give to each other, let's wait for there to be a relationship so that we have why we want to give. At this point, where we're still picking up the picture, learning who the person is, make a note that I would want to have a discussion about this, about that. And let's wait until there's more of a relationship. We'll find a way to make it work. But if it's something that's a red flag, that's serious, this is something that's a make it or break it thing, it really does bother you, you want to know about this, you want to discuss this, you want to verify as early as possible. And if you're picking up that it seems like there's an issue with, you know, with relationships with other people, it seems like they're hard time accepting authority, thing seems like I have a hard time working along with other people. If I'm picking this up from life stories, I want to dig into this and get to the bottom of it before things develop. That means asking more direct questions if I need to. And yes, that also means that I, in my opinion, you're allowed to make some more phone calls during dating. If you want to get clear information about something, now this is very sensitive. Here is more where you might want to be anonymous or you want to be very, very careful because if someone finds out in the middle of dating someone and they're calling up and asking, is he a hard person to get along with or is he a little stupid or questions like that can be very, very hurtful. So we have to be careful of who we're calling and how we're asking the questions. But yes, if a red flag comes up and it is something that for us is make it or break it, don't let the relationship develop and then lose sight of it or convince yourself it'll be okay when in your mind you know that when you're not very excited this is going to really not be okay for you so we're short on time there's so much to talk about in this stage of doing this correctly and, and this is really a stage where they need a lot of help parents being with them spia being with them let's move on to step three and that is letting them flow towards an emotional relationship. And this is really where there's less preparation, less calculations, let it develop. Okay, so the objective is obviously to get to that emotional connection. Instructions, number one, if it's developing naturally, let go. Okay, you don't need to come prepared. You don't need to have strategies of what you're doing. A little more time together. Just letting go, just being more open, being more honest, we'll get to the finish point. Now, sometimes we need a little help uh, because the shida process is done in 
in such a serious way, and this is a serious topic, this is a decision, the biggest decision that they have to make in life. Um, so people are tensed up and it's harder for them to connect emotionally because of the weight of this decision. And therefore, sometimes we need some tricks or we need to plan how we're going to open up and how we're going to flow towards an emotional relationship. So sharing personal and emotional experiences in life. So when we start sharing our inside, we're opening up the door to that place inside of us where an emotional relationship develops. Um, and we should save these things for stage three. Uh, not just because we shouldn't share things too early. This is so special. Some things, if we talk about it earlier in the process, will just be a dry piece of information. Talking about it at this point, we, we could allow ourselves to be open and vulnerable. This could be so connecting. So if there was a hardship you went through in life or a major breakthrough, a major change in life, there was something major that happened in the family or there's a, something that I have a major passion for that really, really affected me. Talking about it at this point could really uh, bring them so much closer. So we save it for this time and this time just open it up, open it up. Now, gently, and again, I wanna say gently, share weaknesses. And this is the place for vulnerability. And this is very, very important. Um, we cannot marry someone because they're impressed from us showing off all of our strengths. We're coming, looking our best, behaving our best, talking about all of our strengths. And it's important, we should talk about our strengths. It's not a time to be humble. They do need to know who we are, okay? But if all they know is our strengths, to a certain degree, we're putting up a show and we want them to marry us. And true love is more about acceptance than attraction. It's much more, even emotional attraction. It's more about acceptance than about love. And being able to share some hardships that we have, some struggles that we have gently, nothing too scary. Uh, don't overload them. Don't knock yourself. But you could talk about that there's a little struggle in, in that area in my life. Um, and again, they should have advice and what is normal and how to share it. They should be sharing it with pride. They should feel comfortable with these struggles. That's part of who I am. Part of my strengths is the way I deal with this weakness. Um, it's very important that we talk about it correctly. If I accept it and the person I'm sharing this with will accept it. But until there is this honest conversation, it's not a real relationship. And when this goes well, this is a real heart opener. I'm opening my heart, I'm being more honest, and then accepting me with this struggle, with this weakness, means so much more to me than the fact that they're impressed by all the great things about me. And I think this is a, a crucial point of seeing, is this going to where we want this to go, okay? And, I think in stage two, when we finish with stage two, we know if we want this to work. We don't know if it's going to work. In stage three, we see it's working. But do we know if we're going to get to the finish line? If we could pass this point, where we're more vulnerable, more honest, 
gently, but yes, sharing some struggles, um, sharing some weaknesses. Once we get by that, and that's accepted, and not just accepted, that brought us closer, we got to the point that's not just we want it to happen, and not just it's moving in that direction, more or less we know it's going to happen. It's only a question of when it's going to happen. We need a little more for this to be ready done. And at that point, we can have much more, we can have very open conversations. A good open conversation is, what are you looking for in a spouse? Now this is a great and sneeistic way of complimenting each other. Because at this point, when you want it to happen and you know it's happening, and you ask him or she asks, she asks him or he asks her, so what were you looking for? What was on your list? Typically what they're going to share is everything they see in the person sitting across them. They say, I was looking for someone that has this quality and that quality and that quality. And they, they're sort of complimenting each other in a very appropriate, very sneezedic way. Um, and again, if it's further what they see in each other, okay, change the language. You could use, call them by their first name. For some people, it's not very natural, but that's something very meaningful uh, when you can call each other by your first names. We, where do, what do we want to do? Where would we live? Where would you want us to live? Where would we have our wedding? This is the point where we can move from in theory, what's your chitas about, you know, where you would like to live to where are we going to live? The word we, it's time for it. And it's something that brings us even closer, closer to the finish line. And we can have open conversations about where we're holding. At this point, we don't need the shatchan. Um, we can discuss openly, do we need more time? Do we not need more time? And this is not a proposal, but this is being open with each other, how far we are from the finish line. Um, this is also, it's important that we do have a shatchan that is in touch with both sides and knows what's going on. And even if, the boy and girl don't need to know everything. Sometimes things can be hurtful or could get them worried for no reason, but they should know if they're on the same page. The parents need to know if they're on the same page so that the parents could coach them. It's time to move. You could move on to the next level. You could ask that type of question. You can call her by her name. You can ask her for her phone number, but we want to make sure that he's not going to get a, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that, okay? Now, another uh, good tool for when we're inching ahead and opening up more and being more personal and asking more personal questions like, what's your greatest strength? What's your greatest weakness? Or what was the hardest moment in your life? What was the happiest moment in your life? Which are good points, good you know, conversations to bring up. What's your view on marriage? What's the difference between a friendship and a marriage? If we don't have a shatrin, uh, that's telling us exactly where the other party's up to, or if we're not sure, we could always um, ask a question. Always ask a question. Uh, always before, you could say, uh, just, you know, if you're uncomfortable with this question, I totally understand you. Uh, if you don't feel up to answering this, I totally understand you. Okay? That, number one, if they are uncomfortable, they'll say it. And you're saving yourself really taking uh, the date to left field because asking a question not ready to answer, they're going to answer it with a half a heart and really start feeling uncomfortable and it can make the whole thing go sour. So you're saving that from happening or putting them through the discomfort of saying, I don't wanna talk about that. 
and you feeling uncomfortable that they just said that, oops, I just did something wrong. But if you sort of ask permission or tell them it's okay, they don't need to answer, um, there's even a better chance that they will answer. They will feel comfortable because they're not being pressured to answer. So that's another important point. Um, you know, if you're comfortable, if it's okay, let me ask this question and feel comfortable, I totally, I totally understand. Okay, there's obviously a lot more to talk about. Our time is short. I wanna to get to how do we know if we're ready or not? So things are going good. Did we get to, you know, is it ready? Should we take it out of the oven or do we leave it in the oven? We don't want this to get burnt. We don't want it to just go stale. We want to get it when it's in good momentum. So there's, this decision is so heavy and many people have struggles with making even smaller decisions. But there are those thoughts that we need to negate and we have to make sure our children never think, number one, maybe I'll find someone better. It's really good. It went very, very well. I'm excited, but maybe there's someone better. There's no room for that thought because you'll never, I'll if we're not relying on there is no way to know the answer to that question. Okay, because until you meet every boy or every girl, you're not going to have an answer to that question. So if it's good, it's good. Now, from the other side, you should never be scared. Listen, I'm not happy. Uh, the conversation is not flowing. There's a lot of things I'm really compromising on. I'm not really feeling it, but maybe I won't find someone better. That's also a wrong thing to think because the Ebister has someone that will work for you. So if this is not working, don't be scared of saying no. You'll find the right person. Okay, so if it's really not working, don't get engaged because you're afraid of staying single. Not a good idea, okay? So in the event that we could check off, our time together flowed well, okay? We respect each other. We logically understand that this is good for us. Check. And then this actually, this was brought to an emotional relationship. There is Meshicha Salem. So now at this point, I can fully trust Ashkacha Pratis. This is my Shidduch. Okay, but how do, I, how do you know? Because all the changes between people that don't do dating, they just rely on Ashkacha Pratis in a 20 minute meeting, and us is not if we believe in Ashkacha Pratis. They ever teach us it should be Bipnimius, which means there should be good time together. A few there wanted to know that there are a few meetings together. It makes sense. We share values, the Ruchmias, and, and, and what we want in life. And there is Meshichas Halev. That's the simon. That's how we know that this is what the Ibishta set up for us. And we can go ahead knowing this is our Shidduch. Now, there are stomach aches that come up by the end, by the decision making. Don't panic from stomach aches. Again, if the process went well, which means when they were together, they were comfortable. It was the intellectual development, the emotional development. It went well during the process. Now there's suddenly those nerves just the last minute because we need to decide. Now, again, you're nervous, but when you're together, you're relaxed. You're more nervous when you come home. That's again a sign that this is anxiety and has nothing to do with the relationship. If when they meet, that anxiety goes away. That means that they are you know, that the girl or the boy is the remedy to their anxiety, not the cause of their anxiety. The decision is the cause of the anxiety. 
if there's anxiety when they're together, that's something you want to take slowly. You want to make sure that everything was there. But again, if it made sense while they were looking them, you know, for it to make sense, when there was emotions developing and it develop, developed well, and the anxiety only started the last minute, and there are no red flags, okay, then ignore the fears. It's just a stomach has nothing to do with the heart or with the mind. It's a stomach, ignore it, it's normal. And those people that will just never be able to get engaged without anxiety. So when it is something real, we need to pay attention to it. When it didn't make sense or there wasn't the emotional connection, but they were rushing ahead because they thought it's a siddish to rush ahead or they're rushing ahead because of their fears of staying single or they're rushing ahead because someone was pushing them, the shatchan was pushing, the parents were pushing, the shpia was pushing. If they were pushed, and now that they're getting to the finish line, they're freaking out, take it serious. If the process wasn't done correctly, then listen to the fears. But if the process was done correctly, it did make sense. They did feel it. Just now it's a sudden anxiety. Ignore it. You can push them off the cliff. Let them go into it. Everything will be okay. Moving on to the proposal, people have more and more interesting ideas. Um, this is a very special time. It's a very sacred time. It's a time that they're committing to each other for a lifelong commitment. Uh, this is the most mature moment in their life. This is one of the most halika moments in their life. And finding all kinds of original ways of asking the question, I'm, I'm not sure that that's the best idea. The good old way was, are we ready to write to the Rebbe? Um, which really sets down the foundation of what this is really about. Um, and when we're ready, let's go ahead. And I want to just quickly say, waiting for two weeks for parents to come in from the other side of the world can be the biggest mistake. When they're ready, let's do it. When they're feeling this excitement, when they're feeling this readiness, don't schlep out this period of, we committed and it's not official yet. We committed, but we didn't write to the Rebbe yet. They should write to the Rebbe as soon as possible. Um, and the Rebbe should be the first one that knows. Again, family, close family can know, save the night for a Lachaim tomorrow night, but we don't have to share with everyone who we're getting engaged to and, and all of that. The first one we write to is the Rebbe. Until we write to the Rebbe, we're not engaged. And therefore this is still extremely private. Um, and if parents can't come in for another two weeks, and it's important for them, for the parents to be there with them when they go to the oil, they could go to the oil twice. They can write to the Rebbe twice, okay? And, and they don't even have to go together. They could each write to the Rebbe separately. They could go to the oil quietly. No one has to know that they're going together to the oil. Come in, you know, come in separately. You want to wait for your parents to make it official. You want to wait for your parents to go to the oil together. No problem. Before Gil Thomas, the way it worked was each wrote their pawn, sent it to the Rebbe. Sometimes they sent it together with the same secretary, sometimes even with two separate secretaries, got two separate answers. And the Yechidus of Hassan and Kala going to the Rebbe together was closer to the wedding. Today, people do it together. They don't write the same pawn. They each write separate letters to the Rebbe, but they go into the Rebbe together. This is like the Yechidus Hassan and Kala. Beautiful. But because we want this to happen together with the parents, to schlep out writing to the Rebbe and making this a real commitment 
uh, is not a good idea. Let them write to the Rebbe. They don't have to publicize it until the parents come in. They can go to the oil again. They can go to the oil that time together. Um, but don't push it off. Write to the Rebbe when you're ready. And that's when we have the Mazel Tov. This is when it's official. This is when it's real. And um, there's a lot to talk about what should be written, how it should be written. But our time is up. We should all have atzlacha, whether girls or boys listening, should have atzlacha and finding clarity as quick as possible, finding the right shidduch. And for parents, so all it's kumagring to come quick and clear and easy. We should all have a lot of nachas from our children. Thank you very much. We can now have questions. I hope the Lipsker is still on so we can get some uh, different opinions. Thank you. Are you getting all the questions, Rabbi Sternberg? I don't see the questions. Yeah, I have, I have the questions. Yeah, I have the questions here. Um, I'll ask questions. I, you, I believe you both are pinned here. Okay, so number one, for both of you, what is this based on? Not everything you said seems to be in line with what I know from beforehand. Is the Rebbe's advice or Shadokim? So let's have both of you, um, Rabbi Sternberg, since you just completed, can you let the audience know what your presentation is based on? The advice you gave, what's it, what is it based on? Please let us. Okay, so I think the Nisham of it is based on the teachings of the Rebbe. And then there's, I was involved with many, many Bachram going through the Shadokh process. And this is what I found uh, worked well for them. But again, it's one perspective and just sharing that. Okay, and Rabbi Lipsker, if you could share. Um, almost everything I said were direct quotes from the Rebbe's writings. I think people need to reread again and again what the Rebbe writes so they can have a better understanding. Um, I do want to make a few comments when Rabbi Sternberg talks about vulnerability, people start getting a little antsy that the vulnerability means we become emotionally, we have like this emotional affair or something. You know, it's... That's extreme. That's not what he's talking about. He was very clear about gentle and a little bit. Mashicha Saleh is a struggle that people have today. They don't even know what it means. You ask a Bachar, how do you feel about her? Well, I don't know what to feel because the Bachar lives in his head. He doesn't know how to drop into the body and know what he's feeling. These are things. So he's giving a lot of practical advice how to get through um, the stages. I want to say something which a lot of Bachram feel like he was very good, you said very well about step by step by step. They feel the first day or the second, they have to like give it all they got. And instead of, I love that little, um, pay attention to that little thing you had in step two about the drink and the sharing and the drink and the sharing, where it's a very good point that talking has to be like volleyball, you know, like back and forth. What happens today, one of them asks a question and the other one dashes for 20 minutes. One asks a question, the other one doesn't stop talking. I have to tell you everything I know about it. Stop. Especially Bachran, tell him, pause, listen to the question, talk for a minute, stop. Get feedback, anything you want to say, then say more. I get this all the time. They talk and talk like they talk in Yeshiva, they have to get it all out. That's a very important detail. Another detail I want to say, there was a question here about. You know, you have to relate to each other and, and in the meetings and people are into going to bowling and going to eating and bringing all these games and dating games. It's such a distraction because all of a sudden you're doing something together and you're not anymore interfacing with each other in a relatable way. If you agree, you agree. If not, uh, thank you. 
Thank you, Reverend Lipscomb, for those points. I'm going to start with the questions, and then as you have more points to add to each other, please just uh, go ahead and type up. Rabbi Sternberg, you mentioned the red flags for your Shemayim. Can you please elaborate a little bit on what you might mean for that? Everyone has what's considered a red flag for them. Um, so there's no one answer. But if I know something, I have a strong passion about something that's, for me, it's a make it or break it and I'm smelling something coming up in the area of Yerushalayim or the area of personality and in Midas. Um, and that's, again, there's no one line. What I, what I do want to bring up is there are certain questions in the area of, you know, of Yerushalayim that's not fear to ask. Um, for a girl to ask a boy certain things about the past. Did you ever see something inappropriate. Did you ever watch movies? The questions are not, did you ever? I don't think that's a fair question in Shaduchim. Um, the, the questions are, what is your standard in what you watch? You know, how do you make sure um, that you know, the internet is a safe place for you? Like, do you believe in having a filter? Would you want to have a filter at home? You can ask questions about what they want for the future, what their standards are presently, um, not to ask questions about the past. When they had a perfect past or not isn't really uh, something that's fear to ask and it's not important uh, to ask. But again, if you're smelling that this person is very worldly suddenly and he knows too much about this and about that, you might want to see, you know, like how involved are they in the world? Um, but again, I don't think there's one standard, but whatever you have a passion for, you want to pick up the information on. You're allowed to ask questions if you need to, just not about the past. Thank you so much. Rabbi Lipsker, um, as, a men as a mashpia and dating mentor for many, it seems to me to be extremely destructive when Bachram or girls begin sharing with their friends who they're dating, what happened on the dates and all the details that you had mentioned happens. Besides the fact that it's against the halachas of Rechilos and Lashon Hara, it seems to destroy the possibility for a Bachar or girl to meet his or her, her intended Bashert, was written off as no good because of these type of discussions. So therefore, do you feel like we need to accept the reality or do we need to be doing something to encourage our children to stop this? Absolutely everything you can to stop it. There's so many Shaduchim that are not getting off the ground because of something that he heard when they were talking about Kail in the light that are sitting now in Kail and they tell me what they hear groups of Bachrim sitting together and talking about and sharing it, and then say, how is anybody ever going to meet this? You know, it's already, this is possible, that's possible. Yes, to do everything to respect the holiness and privacy and sanctity of the dating institution. In Lubavitch, the Rebbe made it a, it, it's a holy institution and should be respected. And from this, parents plead, plead with your children, no matter how modern and how much you struggle with your Shemayim, keep boundaries. There is such a big Rachmanus What's going on today where it's not just an issue of sharing, becoming vulnerable too much, but there's actually boundaries that are being crossed. First, a tiny physical boundary, a stronger physical boundary, a hug, a kiss, whether it's dating or, 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 or doing engagement. People say, well, my standards are lower. It's so unhealthy later for the marriage. It just creates a whole distortion of reality. And you have to tell your daughters and sons, you trust you're trusting such a person that he's going to control himself in life when he can't control himself with basic boundaries and, and that you consider yourself through him. Anything that's uncomfortable, don't allow it to happen. 
have that mental capacity of crossing lines and both physical lines and then back what you're saying about yes it's uh, it's so sad and as parents whoever it's, it's so it's a problem of, of, of growing up in a certain way you can't just educate people at the age of 19 to, to know what marriage is about and be ready for marriage now everyone says the husband teacher teach my son how to be uh, how to how to run a jewish home i teach your son at the age of 22 how to run a jewish home you can't do that at this point <laughs> You know. Okay, so, yeah. so let's let's all encourage our children to keep their dating stories to themselves and within their family and not with their friends. Um, okay, this question is addressed to both of you, so I'll do it one at a time, Rabbi Sternberg. Um, what would be a list of inquiries that you would suggest asking the shadchan when you're looking into a shidduch for the first time? What what would be questions you would ask? Again, based on the list of what's most important to you. There are, there are the general things you want to know about anyone, but I think what's most important to us is what's most important to us. And again, we want to know the year of Shemaim, we want to know about their personality, uh, their, their midas. I want to get an outline of, you know, their, of their life story, their family. But I don't think there's a specific list that I can give you. The list you need to sit down with your child and really figure out what is good for them. Not good for you, what's good for them. And sometimes you need to help them understand what's really good for them, but sometimes we have to listen to them uh, because sometimes we don't know everything about our children and we need to hear what they're, you know, they have allergic reaction to certain types of people or to certain types of things or certain families that they feel uncomfortable around. So there's a lot we need to teach our children. There's a lot we need to listen to, um, to hear from them um, what, what will work for them. And based on that, that's going to be our questions for, for the, uh, for the shop. I don't think there's one answer. Robert. Okay, thank you. Rabbi Lipsch, do you have anything to add to that? Rabbi uh, Yeah, no. I think people need to see what's important to them. Um, people need to call. It's, it's like Rabbi Sturman mentioned. Besides all the people on the reference list, try to call people that are not on the reference list. You know, if you want to kind of find out more reality, friends, this and that. But and there's, again, there's always a limit of what you're going to find out. So you have to let them figure each other out when they meet as much as possible. Is coaching or guiding your child through the dating process from overseas enough or does a parent need to make sure they are physically around? I think it's more uh, how good of a relationship they have. I don't think physical space um, is that important. At least for boys, it's definitely less important for girls. Sometimes they have a harder time being overseas. And that's why what's typical more, at least for the beginning stages, for the boy to travel to the girl. Um, but it's really, everyone's different. Um, and for some people, it's not their parents that they need close. It's their mashpia that they need close. But we need to be close, in close contact. Um, and today that we all discovered Zoom, um, it's a great tool to see how they're feeling, not just to hear them over the phone, if we could see them, if we are overseas, to see them, see if they see their smiling, see their face, uh, so we can get a real feel of where they're up to. Um, but at, at least for boys, it's very uh, accepted. And a boy travels as far from from his parents. For girls, um, perhaps it's better to be closer, but I don't think that must be the case. Okay, thank you. The next question is from a father. Um, 
while I know we want to do good research, I would like to be able to test or grill the man my daughter will be engaged to. My daughter doesn't want me to, to do this when I meet the chassan for the first time. She says it's not the correct time. Whose approach is correct? I would love to if you'd like to start with this one. Well, maybe he should meet him in 770 before he dates his daughter. If he has the guts to do that, then go do it. His name will be plastered all over the WhatsApps. But, you know, what does he want to do? I mean, you know. Once your daughter decided to get engaged, you have to respect her. Don't start grilling him now. Whatever you want to grill, you got to grill before she meets him. I mean, that's obvious. How? Figure it out. Okay. Well, many people, the father wants to talk to a bacher and find out about him. He calls the bacher to ask about a friend. And he grills him how he talks about his friends for Shadok. And that's one way you can have an interactive phone call with somebody. Let the bacher pick up on this already. They know this trick. <laughs> I, I want to share personally. I met with my uh, father and mother-in-law before I met my wife, um, and uh, it was it was a bit you know intimidating at first, but I think it was brilliant. Um, so if the boy could agree, I think if the parents meet the boy before they understand what we're talking about, it's not about grilling him. It's to get firsthand of a feeling adults could pick up. Uh, in a bachar, a lot more than what their daughter is going to pick up. And when she's going to come home and say, I feel like he's a little this or a little that, I'm not sure if he's this or he's that, the parents will be able to uh, guide their daughter uh, better after seeing him firsthand. But not everyone will be ready for that. I don't think that should be a condition. You can't meet my daughter until we meet you first. Um, but if, it, uh, if the boy's okay with it, I think I would want to do that before... Uh, my daughters need a boy, in theory, but I'm not going to put that as a condition. Okay, so it seems that both of you are in agreement that if uh, a father wants to grill, it should definitely be before they are actually at the point of getting engaged. Should we? I didn't say grill, but get to know. Get to know. Okay. Um, all right. I'm not sure how about this question, but okay. What does the Rebbe say about the importance or lack thereof of yichus in a family? Do either of you have comments to say about? You know, we talked about the family's important. How much emphasis would someone put on generations prior in looking into a family? There's, there's, there's different letters from the Rebbe about this. One place the Rebbe says if a family is a meyuchistic family, they have the right uh, to look into yichus as well. In one place the Rebbe says not to even be mocked if the, if the proposed person was born uh, there's such answers in the early years. This one didn't want a shidduch because they weren't born with mikvah. And the Rebbe kind of, uh, if it's a pasika shidduch, the Rebbe says that, you know, these things are corrected with Torah mitzvahs and with the Durim and not to make a big deal out of them. Just like in general, paying attention to chesrein is more than positive. You know, like looking for the black, the, the, what's it called, the missing pile or the black dot on the white page is also too much. That's another issue. Talking about looking for chesvenus and allergies, you have to also put it all into perspective, you know. If 15% is chesvenus and 85% is mildness, you ain't going to find the perfect person ever. Th okay, thank you, Rabbi Luxor. Um, Rabbi Sternberg, you mentioned about what to share at stage one, stage two, stage three. So is the, what's allowed to be shared after they're engaged? Do we share more? What happens during, during engagement? Do we continue sharing more or do we remain at status quo? 
So during engagement, there's only one objective, is to stay with the simcha v'tuv of the decision. There's no heter to bring the relationship to the next level. Really, the only, it shouldn't be meeting. The only heter for a girl and a boy to meet is to see if they want to get married. Now that they know they want to get married, they, they're not allowed to meet. The only reason why we say that they should meet somewhat is the minimum that it takes to keep the flame alive. There's no, now, if they end up getting closer with each other, because we don't know exactly, we're not there with the thermometer and making sure that things don't move further, we don't know exactly how much they need, so things might move ahead, but to be sharing more personal things um, and actively working on getting closer is a halachic issue. And also it's not smart. This is such a sensitive time, the time of engagement. Um, we're gonna find out new things every day in marriage. And in marriage, we have so many more tools to deal with it. Um, because first of all, we're committed, we're in it. So now we're gonna make it work. And we have more tools to get over disappointment. When we're not fully in, we're one foot in. I'm not, you know, I'm not married, but I'm not single. Uh, this is not the time where you want to find out new things. So to share a little bit before, you know, to make sure there's acceptance of the fact that I'm not a perfect person is good before I got engaged. And it helps me open up and it helps me see it's a real relationship. But now that we're engaged, this is not a time when, when we want to get surprises. Um, and therefore, really, the minimum, minimum, minimum is both better and practically. So many issues come up during engagement because of things that weren't supposed to be shared that were shared. It's not the time to share that. And also when there's an expectation of getting closer and then we're not really meeting that expectation, the disappointments, and it's so hard to live with that disappointment and I'm engaged and I'm not fully married. It's like I ordered something and it didn't arrive yet. That's the easiest time to cancel the order. I found a better price or I found out something about, so I'm not fully in the marriage and um, it's, it's this in between, it's such a sensitive time it's really so important to keep it to the minimum. And again, uh, there's Yichud and Sneas and everything, but I would not advise to um, take steps further. And it should be clear, there's no expectation for us to get any closer. We'll be together at Meyav Esrim, we'll get very, very close. Um, there's no point in working on that now, it can only backfire. Thank you. And Rabbi Lipsker, if you can um, elaborate on that further, could you please share with everyone what Nisiyanes, what is the reality of what goes on between Chassan and Kala we meet extensively? What Nisiyanes do they end up facing that we could avoid? We'll end up facing all sorts of Nisiyanes. It's exactly what Rabbi Sturmuk said. You know, during engagement, it's, uh, you have to be more careful in Yechud. You have to be more careful in, in boundaries. And it's healthier that way. It's more respectful that way. And of course, you share what's going on in your daily life. But the fact of sharing what each other are learning in chasen classes and kala classes, no, don't do it. It should not be done. It's crossing a boundary. Going to pictures, uh, photos to the studios, you know, to take pictures is also a no-no. I personally, I'm not so fond of all these pictures coming out of the, oh, hell, snap a picture. It's all over Instagram. The first picture of, of the new couple, you know, it's... it's it's a private moment for them. Why, why are you placing it everywhere? You know, someone got a picture, okay, this, but making them pose, I mean, it, it just doesn't, 
you know, it's it's too much familiarity. We are okay. formal. We're not married. You're not even related to her. She's a stranger to you. She's a complete stranger, and you have to maybe be more careful than a complete stranger because you have the closeness. And the Sienas begin from 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 romantic, from romantic texting, which I always say, keep the texting to formal and formal only to zero emotion conversation on texting. It, it, it just immediately crosses boundaries way too quick with weird interpretations on each side. Oh, what's this supposed to mean? Versus a conversation in which you have clarity of what you need to say. Which actually leads right into the next question. Someone had said, I was under the impression that the Rebbe was not fond of Hassan and Karl taking pictures together. Why is it that everyone today is taking pictures with, with Hassan and Karl leaving the aisle? That's the way the question was phrased. So um, can you please address a little bit about taking pictures together, ask Hassan and Karl, or taking the pictures together during the dating or getting engaged process? If we have any um, advice for the public. Listen, it, 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 on one hand, you have to look at these things as a symptom. You can't, you know, it's like you have to wear the skirt below this and da, da, da. of course you have to, but if there's something lacking there, it's not about the act. It's about the general attitude of modesty. And the same thing is here, you know. On one hand, the Rebbe says to go take picture, to go pose for a picture, to go to a studio and have a photographer come to go stand together for a pose. Over here, they're walking out together and someone snaps a picture. So it's, it's not geferlach. But it, yeah, you have to have the sensitivity. You have to have the sensitivity and the privacy. But I still make these out. It was very sharp expressions from the Rebbe. If I'm not mistaken, the Rebbe did not want to be Masada Kedushin if they posed for a picture. And if the Rebbe says, we all want the Rebbe by the chuppah. Um, and if the Rebbe said such a thing, then we, you know, I, I don't agree with the statement that everyone takes pictures. There are many Bachrim that will not let a picture. And if a picture did come out, we'll make sure that it's deleted or it's kept private. Uh, but definitely to pose, to look towards a camera and pose for a picture, or worse, to take a selfie together, um, it's clearly against the Rebbe's Hadiracha. And uh, we, we need the Rebbe's Brachas. We want the Rebbe's Brachas. We'll have so many nice pictures together. It's, it's so extra, and it's a shot. More and more people are doing it with all kinds of hitherim. Um why are we looking for a hatter? We want the Rebbe's brachas, so let's let's do it completely. That's uh, that's my understanding. Thank you. Okay, for both of you, so um, you'll choose who goes first. Many of our children do not want to take advice from us as parents, not just for the research, but for any dating advice too. So you talk so much about what our dating process should look like or what we should do when we do research. What do we do when our children do not want our advice? Who would like to start? Mm -hmm. Well, have, if they don't want your advice, our advice, then there's obviously a lack of connection or empathy or relationship. So whoever has the good relationship with them should be given this advice and they should be invited to a discussion. In other words, ask them what they have to say first, validate their opinions, and then share what you think is healthy. You know, there's a breakdown in the relationship in the communication. You can't force it. You can't force you know, so it's, it's, there's nothing you can do. It's not about this. It's about the general relationship that should get better. You know, if you need a coach, you need a therapist, you need a shalom bias between parent and child. By the way, about pictures, I want to add something. I don't know. This is really not the context, but, you know, even a picture together, husband and wife even, it, it's private. 
You know, you, people should really be careful what picture goes on the website, what picture is in your WhatsApp status. Husband and wife stand in close proximity or too close. If you, you have some from orthodox standards, we should be careful with that as well. Shana. Okay, thank you. Um, can you address more about how parents meet the prospective person? So you both gave some advice about how a man can possibly make sure to meet the chassan. I guess let's do it the reverse way around. Is it important? Should parents make an extra effort to meet the girl and or the boy before their children actually meet each other? Should they make the effort if they're out of town to fly in? Is, should they make the effort to actually meet the person? Sorry, Stormberg. If they're ready to meet, um, it's I, I would fly in. If, if they would be ready to meet, it would, that it would mean a lot to me. Um, but don't don't be pushy. So, okay. Is there any advantage or goal or purpose in meeting them without officially meeting them, where you're almost spying on them, or is it only if they are ready to meet and they are like knowing that you are coming to meet them? I wouldn't fly in to spy on them. That, that you could get a picture, get someone, uh, but if we can have a conversation face-to-face, -face, even for 15 minutes, there's so much an adult could pick up and that could be so helpful um, in guiding your child through the process. And uh, also for the parents to feel like they know what's going on, uh, but mainly to help our children, it could be very helpful. But again, it's, it's not very popular today, so you can't demand it, you can't push it, it's, uh, in theory, a beautiful thing. I, I wouldn't... Uh, yeah, I second that. I second that. It's not popular in our, in our community. Bachram aren't ready for this. Parents aren't ready for this. But if there could be more education about it, it would be more accepted. Stop someone in conversation in 778. You, know? <laughs> you came up as an idea. I mean, if people would be more open to this, it's, it's awkward you know, if, it, if it's not prepared properly. So uh, I don't have the advice how to make it happen. Okay, thank you. Okay, a question on appropriateness. Is it appropriate today uh, to me? I'm not sure if the question, so whoever asked you can clarify, but or we can, or we can address it both ways. Can they meet on Zoom? I guess, is it appropriate for Hassan Kala to be dating on Zoom? Corona's over. We don't have to do it this way. Is it appropriate to be having Zoom meetings? Maybe while we're dating or after when we're engaged and, and, and they want to meet that way, is a Zoom meeting an appropriate way to meet? So, um, you know, if there's a need, someone was planned to go out of town uh, they had, and there's going to be a 10 day break in the middle of the dating process, which can, we could lose momentum, things are going good and we want things to, you know, want, we don't want to shut the fire for, for 10 days. So it used to be phone calls where again, their phone calls are definitely not the ideal, uh, but there's nothing um, wrong with it. Again, obviously we always have to be careful, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's not the best way to date, but it's better than having a two week uh, break when it's not needed. Uh, once they're Hassan and Kala, again, if what they're doing is meeting once a week and they can't meet and therefore they're gonna do it on Zoom, it's, it's not wrong. But again, if they ever really wants it to be the minimum um, that's needed, and it's better that they're not in town, it's better that they're not meeting. So the less, the better. I just want to also say the other side, if there's a need 
Whatever is needed is needed. We need to keep the fire alive. So someone's going through a hard time and we need to go back to the dating process. They could go back. They can meet as many times as they need to meet if they need to meet to strengthen their decision, not to get things better than where it was at the closing point, but to bring it back to where it was, or if it wasn't there, to get it now. Um, so what's needed to come to the hospital, to live up, if they have to meet, if they have to meet over Zoom, if they have to meet seven times a week, if that's what's needed to fix the situation, to save the situation, um, the limit is there when we're, when we're saying once a week, and really once a week isn't me there either. either. Um, but that's the average what's needed to keep the flame uh, burning. And if what's needed is a Zoom meeting, a Zoom meeting, it's, 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 I don't think there's something wrong with it, but I think when they're out of town, let's keep it, it's good. That distance is good. Let them, let them miss each other a little bit. Let them miss each other. Okay. And they're not always seeing each other. So they spoke over the phone. It's not the end of the world. If they want to, is it, is it wrong? Let everyone ask their mashbiya according to where they're up to. Uh, what's the best we could bring out of them? We have to be practical also. Okay, backing up a little bit to the to the dating part, Rabbi Sturmberg, you had mentioned that there's no uh, number in the each stage. It's just going through the three stages. Uh, so is there any point, is, the question is, is there any number we say, no, 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 that's too much, or is it as many as you need? And I'll just elaborate the part two of the question is that once you are ready to get engaged, is it okay to keep dating if you're not ready to finalize yet? So I'll start with the second one because that's the easier question. If okay. you're ready, close. Um, again, the fact that it went up online that you're engaged or even the fact that you wrote to the Rebbe is not the, is the point where you have to start taking a step back and putting the flame on, keep warm, and not on cook it to more. Um, when you're ready, that's when you move on to the next stage, both Mitzad Hashkafa and also practically. You feel ready now. There's a certain amount of excitement that you need to pull you over the cliff to the biggest decision that is never really fully rational because there's no way you know how things are going to be in real life. You need a certain amount of excitement to get you past this decision. Don't play with it. You're ready, go for it. So both halacha and ashkaf and also practically, you're ready, go for it. You know, some people say, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're not gonna get engaged so that we could still meet more often and we could talk more often. Who are you fool? Both in halacha, that's not a heter, and it's not smart. You could be messing things up for yourselves. So that's first of all, regarding the numbers, no, there are some people that they need to go through the process and it takes them more time. For them, buying a suit is going to 10 stores. So you want them to decide the biggest decision in, in five, six or seven. From the other side, if the parents feel that this is being overdone, this is not healthy, they might need professional help to help them make a decision and meeting again and again is not gonna help them. And if things are not moving at all, and stop it because then someone's going to be very hurt. Could be the other party. Things are moving ahead, and there's going to be a major disappointment. So I'm not saying that that you know there's 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 never a need for intervention of, of professional help, perhaps if they can't make up their mind. Even if things are getting better and better, but if they still really can't make a decision, perhaps they need help. But to tell them that this is the number, and by now everyone has a decision by this number, 
It, numbers are technical. What needs to be accomplished over here is something a lot deeper than that. But obviously, there's a certain point where it's just not healthy. They need, they need some help. But it's not about the number, but it's just about. Okay, thank you. All right, Rabbi Lipsker, we're going to ask you our last question and then we'll have closing remarks. So, Rabbi Lipsker, this seems like it's coming from a, a Bachar himself. So, uh, so, I'm going to assume that it's being phrased. Is the best preparation for marriage to push myself into a Hasidic atmosphere? Or should I be finding myself and deciding what my standards are going to be for life? Meaning not pushing myself into the Chassidish atmosphere. Which way is a better preparation for marriage? Better preparation for marriage is to work the Hasidus program. Is to learn Hasidus and self-examine and, and refine, become uisgeagled and become more refined and more able and more self-control. When Bachram are seriously looking for marriage, perhaps they should find somebody who's married that looks like a beautiful home, a Hasidic Shtub. If they can't talk to their parents, maybe an uncle, maybe a cousin or a friend or somebody that can that they can, you know, reflect and get some feedback about about standards. But to go on a on a on a trip and an exploration to find myself out of the system that uh, that Abayim had established for us to be within the yeshiva and Hasidic structure doesn't usually make uh, great results. So it's a, it's a real personal mashpia question, although most Bachram, when I ask them some certain questions, they say, well, I don't talk to my mashpia about this, I don't talk to my mashpia about that. Well, that's that's where the problem is. But the Hasidus atmosphere is not connecting to their reality. So that's where it has to be connected. Correct. As we're getting towards the end of the evening. I'd like to just ask uh, Rabbi Sternberg if you have any closing remarks to the parent body that's listening tonight and to the Bachram. The closing remarks, um, this question wasn't asked, but I feel this very strongly. Bachram should be getting married earlier. Bachram should get married when they're at their peak. And I feel that many Bachram uh, are at their peak closer to the age of 21 than the age of 23. And uh, it's unfortunate they're not really, they have, many Bachram don't have something they're really looking forward to and learning, and they're losing their momentum in their in their ruchnias. Um, so if we feel our child reached their peak, they're not really excited to be in yeshiva for another two years, they're good boys now, um, we don't have to wait for 23. And it will also help with the shidduchim for the girls. That's for the boys. Um, regarding the last question, yes, we should try to set ourselves up with what we know is true, even if in the moment we're struggling with it. And again, if it's not something I believe in to marry someone, I don't, I don't believe in living up to their standards, no. But if I do believe in that, I happen to the last few months not, being doing, not doing so well to push myself and, and set up the standards of the house to what I know is my truth. Yeah, we're, we're, we're allowed to do that. And regarding the question before of what's if our children don't want to listen to us, Maybe that's a wake-up call that at least for the next child in Shadduchim, we'll make sure that we build a better relationship with them. So at the most important um, decision in their life will be there for them. And um, we, need to do, we need to do a lot of listening, like Rabbi Lipsker said, and perhaps that way we can, we can enter. But we always need to uh, respect their decision. At the point where they're not ready to listen, we have no mitzvah to talk. So our mitzvah of Shinantam Levanecha is as long as they want to listen. 
And at the point where they don't want to, uh, there's even a safer that says, just like you're not allowed to hit an adult child, because then it's naiver, they're going to hit you back. And it's your fault, you put them into that position. So a child that you know doesn't, is not ready to listen, then giving them the advice they don't want to hear is of them not listening to their parents. So if we weren't successful to, to bring them up in a way that they want to listen to us at this point, it's not our responsibility and um, we should give them their space. Okay, thank you. Um, Rabbi Lister, before you give your closing remarks, Rabbi Sternberg's question, uh, statement is brought up a question that I'm going to address to you. Is it okay for younger girls, to be younger boys to be marrying older girls? Since, as you said, marrying younger, so so many older girls, the boys two years younger won't even consider it. Should we be pushing towards that direction? If you could address that and then your closing remarks. That question, yes. It's happening more and more and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. People should get over the stigma or get over their imagination that if she's two years older, she's going to be my boss and she's going to be my mommy. And if you're mature and you're a man, and it'll work. There's nothing wrong with it, essentially. You can't, again, you can't force it, you can't push it, but it's becoming more and more accepted, which is a great thing. Okay, and closing, uh, closing remarks, just to emphasize, we need, and we should talk to this to our children for marriage, shalom bias. Healthy children, healthy us. We need so many brachas and seyayi to the shmaya. So much of it is is hakol melamayla, and and therefore, as much as we want to be for our selfishness and our ego and our own interests, a little bit humility, and to do things the right way with the right standards will only make us kalim for bigger and better brachas. And no matter how much we want to just be comfortable and have fun and do all the the fun stuff that may not be so much into the following the letter of the law, it's not worth it on, on, on losing out on so many greater brachas and siyat deshmaya, which we so much need. And through extra tayga, mitzvahs, mitzvahs behidur, dating with the proper attitudes and behidur will only bring more brachas. And wishing everyone to find the bashat, take it for me, admonish. Thank you. Thank you so much to Rabbi Lipsko and Rabbi Sternberg for your words tonight. I'd like to remind everybody this is a two-part series. Next week we will be having, uh, we will be talking with uh, Mrs. Tchani Leibovitch, who is a Shatchan, and Mrs. Shomi Pekarski, who is a parent mentor and a Kala teacher from the woman's perspective on guiding our children for success through the dating and Shatchan process. So stay tuned for that. As always, please follow us on social media at my mikvah on Instagram, mikvah.org on Facebook, or you can message 732-534-2948 to be added to the mikvah.org broadcast. Thank you, Rabbi Lipsker and Rabbi Sternberg for your time and attention this week. We have all learned so much and we wish all of you brachas for your children. Everyone should find their ashert and everyone should be zeichet to marrying off their children and be building binyan, they say that Tara Vamitzvah. Good night.